This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury and it's another festival of the weird on Matt's Plane this week as we explore some of the most recent breakthroughs in science and technology. Hey, Rich, well, I hope I can live up to that Um, because this first piece isn't exactly a breakthrough in in science and technology. And in fact, I don't think any of the stories this week are actually breakthroughs in (laughs) science and technology. So um, I don't know, but they are all weird stories. So this is... I mean, that'll do. Yeah, exactly. So um, this is more of a cultural trend. Uh So there was a, a thing that became popular a few years ago, which was the kind of not safe for work version of streaming games, uh, by which I don't mean people using colorful language. It was kind of a, a, a collision of the OnlyFans and kind of Twitch cultures. And that kind of blossomed, you know, especially over the pandemic, because, well, uh, I guess people weren't in offices and they didn't really have to care about what their browser histories uh, <laughs> were saying about them for, for a year or two. Um, so this kind of blurs or overlaps slightly with that in that there are not safe work extensions of it. But broadly speaking, it falls into the area of what most of the social media sites consider to be, uh, you know, acceptable, you know, PG-14 or, or yep. whatever. And that's the world of NPCs. So non-playable characters. Yeah. So, okay, we we know what NPCs are, um, uh, the, the non-playable characters in games. Mm-hmm. So this is a trend where content creators pretend to be those non-playable characters characters so that's right people (laughs) pretending to be the thing that people hate most about the games that they play um one of the trends that we've talked about in terms of um ai and gaming is the expansion of language models Mm. to try and get rid of some of that awfulness around npcs to make their actions and their conversations more realistic and now i'm not a big gamer, as everyone who tunes into this show regularly knows. So I think I'll let Rich tell everyone how frustrating it can be to play something that's incredibly immersive, has fantastic gameplay, and then it has a bunch of poorly programmed NPCs bumbling around. Yeah, let's just quickly run back to uh, the launch of Cyberpunk. What what, is it, two years ago, three years ago? Yeah. Um, And... It looked beautiful for a while, and then, of course, uh, you, you'd commit a crime and in, in the game, and then you'd suddenly have like what seemed to be a thousand police officers turn up <laughs> out of nowhere, attacking you for no particular reason. That was one thing. And then, you know, you could just be walking around somewhere, and it's just this case of, you know, they issue this one line or, or two lines to tell you what you're supposed to be doing, and then you walk away, walk back within f- 15 or 20 seconds, and then they issue you that same line again. And you're just like, oh, come on, you know. I mean, I understand it's a world and you've built this world and you can't give everybody multiple lines. But just a little bit of effort, you know, just a little bit. Well, that's the thing. I mean, that's what this trend is. It's people pretending to be exactly that. Um, I don't get it, Matthew. I don't get it. 
they're behaving repetitively and they say the same few phrases over and over again, no matter what questions you ask them and go through that same menu of, you know, a few actions. But they're earning huge money via tips from live streams. Uh, one report I read said that uh, one of the leading NPC streamers, Pinky Doll, claims to earn up to $7,000 a day from her streams. What? I mean, that is enormous business. However, you look at it, you know, in a sense, it's a bit like a, uh, it's kind of like an 8-bit version of Poppy, uh, mm. the virtual pop star who is actually a, a, a person. But whereas that's more of a straightforward art project, uh, kind of, you know, the flip side of Ida, the uh, art-based AI model that we've talked about before. Yeah. These NPC influencers are very much pushing content that is entertainment-based, if not, you know, purely commercial. Now, I'm not going to list out all of the NPC stars, but it does seem to be a growing trend and a movement. And some of the biggest streamers put a lot of effort into the costumes and the backdrops for the, the videos. They choose a vocabulary for each stream that ranges from repeated random sounds to simple phrases. And it ranges from being, you know, just vaguely interesting to being white noise in the background to sometimes being absurdly funny. But then, you know, if, if machines can become believably human, which is what we're seeing with AI, mm. why shouldn't people become unbelievably mechanical? Have you ever been called a NPC, a non-playable character? I mean, I'm actually quite jealous of this, to be honest. If I could pare these shows down to half a dozen words and earn 7,000 US dollars every time, I absolutely would. Um, but, you know, as I said to you and Roche and on, on BizBytes last week, I'm a cyber phantom and I don't have a realistic head. Um, <laughs> but that actually makes me perfectly placed to become part of another emerging trend, which is the AI influencer. Now, I, I can see that yeah. Richard wants to jump in and tell me that there's nothing new about virtual influencers, virtual influencers rather. And yes, that is true. Uh, we've had CGI-based uh, avatars like Little Michaela for a few mm -hmm. years now. But what's different now is that you don't have to be, you know, a designer with mad skills to invent your own influencer. With tools like Dali and Midjourney and Stable Diffusion, those tools can do it all for you. They can yeah. create influencers who are always living their best lives and never experience content fatigue. But how how widespread are we we talking about here? I know. I mean, it's often the case that, you know, someone says, oh, this is a trend and it's just one account that somebody's seen yeah. on, on TikTok. There are, I mean, to be honest, I've got no idea how many accounts like this there are. Uh, there are some popular accounts like, Miller Sophia, I'll become back to uh, her in air quotes in a minute, um, which have thousands of followers and thousands of likes on some of the posts. Um, some of these AI influencers have video versions as well, mm. uh, which has allowed this phenomenon to move to TikTok as well as to spread on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and most, or at least the ones I've seen, seem to acknowledge that they are digital creations. They call themselves virtual models, virtual girls, whatever. Mm. Um, and they do seem to be a lot of them because the recommendation engines of those sites recommend you loads of other similar accounts. And some of the accounts themselves promote other AI influencers. Now, 
how many accounts there are of AI creations uh, that pose as real people that don't acknowledge that they are fake, that I don't know. Although if you're looking through somewhere, uh, some somebody's profile uh, and the account start date is 2023, that's probably a bit of a giveaway that it might not be a real person. Right. Um, I might already know the answer to this, and I suspect a lot of people tuning in might already know the answer to this as well. Well, what kind of content are we talking about? Well, unsurprisingly, most of the AI influencers present as bikini or lingerie-clad right. women. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I imagine there are some man-flesh versions out there as well. Um, I haven't seen any, but most of the accounts that I've seen are of the, you know, sort of late teens, early 20s, uh, mm. cis female persuasion. Mm. And the, the the locations and settings of the shots are your standard kind of it girl influencer type stuff, mm-hmm. balcony of the, the hotel room with a exotic backdrop and um, by the pool or in the pool, the occasional, you know, lounging on the bed shot. And the accounts vary from the essentially believable to the, uh, you know, I've only got a free account with the last generation of the AI type (laughs) cartoonish. And the shots do tend to be uncomplicated. You don't see a lot of uh, group shots at this point, not a lot of partying or kind of uh, eating type shots, because I think the the added complexity would increase the potential for uh, unreal rendering in those you know, some elements mm. to spoil the, the perfect image of those shots. Do, do you reckon that people clicking a, a, and liking these posts uh, care that the, 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 the quote-unquote person is, is real or not? I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing that for some that they don't care. After all, you know, you, you never get to meet the influencers or the celebrities you follow anyway. So following them is this escapist fantasy. They're not mm. necessarily real people to you anyway. Mm. You know, hence the awful stuff that people are willing to post on on those accounts. We already treat each other like non-playable characters. True. And not to mention that, you know, we live in this filtered world. Uh, skin smoothing apps give everyone flawless complexions. So the real influencers are often pushing themselves into that realm of being artificial mm. anyway, mm. airbrushing every inch of exposed skin, tweaking the eye shape, tre- tweaking other features. Eventually, you know, as the virtual appears more real, they kind of meet in the middle. So, mm. you know, I mentioned Miller Sophia before, who's profile I found via a piece on futurism. So Miller presents as a 19-year-old blonde woman from Finland, and that character even has its own website and accompanying fashion portfolio. I mean, does this kind of go back to the story we did a while ago about uh, virtual fashion? Yeah, but I'm not sure if it does intentionally. So for people who don't remember, we covered a strain in fashion that's creating impossible garments that can only be worn digitally. Now, in the past, this has been um, mostly for gaming and online communities. But the twist here is that you can actually now have your real-life persona photoshopped into the garment, maybe on the red carpet at the Met Ball, for, for example. So you have this kind of keepsake of this impossible creation that that you know, you appear to have worn in public. Mm. Uh, so the positioning of uh, of these characters as models, uh, again, 
air quotes, does make you wonder if the uh, creators are looking to monetize via, you know, fashion and swimwear brands. Uh, for example, you know, posing Miller in their newest lines or advertising hotels or other destinations mm. who might not have the budget to engage a real life influencer. Uh, and that's kind of my next point. You know, why? What's in it for the creators? Actually, why, unfortunately, is a, is a word you're going to be saying a lot today. Um, <laughs> it, it is kind of hard to see at this point. Obviously, there's the, you know, I do it because I can element. Right. And of course, you know, once you've perfected those input prompts, then there's probably minimal effort in actually creating the, the content. You're now, right. it's less less clear whether there'll be a payoff, uh, whether brands have an appetite for this style of content especially as there are potential copyright risks mm, because mm. all those poses and backdrops come from somewhere. Sure, you know, the, the AI conjures them up on command according to your recipe, but where do those ingredients come from? Uh, most likely from real influencers and from ordinary human beings. So the question then is, are we getting closer to tools that can deconstruct the elements in these images and identify the sources they come from. I'm not sure about that, but if I was a big talent agency or photo library, that's where I'd be putting a big chunk of my R&D cash right yeah. now because we already know that, you know, um, some of the big photo libraries make a lot of their money from trawling for unofficial use of copyright material on the net and sending uh, bills to people for for using it improperly. So... Mm. Um, Another area for, for monetization, well, certainly some of these accounts point towards more adult-oriented, uh, not-safe-for-work content uh, that might be a front for, you know, porn or escort services. Yeah. But the majority of the AI influencers I've seen so far uh, do seem to be um, vanilla, uh, if, you know, a little obvious and, and tasteless. And what about those accounts that... Um... <laughs> they don't admit they're fake. Well, yeah. So, you know, we know that um, people doing catfishing and whatever regularly borrow photos from real accounts when mm. they set up those fake profiles. And uh, the Verge piece that I saw this on mentioned some of uh, the AI creations complaining that other accounts have stolen their images. <laughs> you know, like, like I said, you know, this whole thing is kind of a, a, an intellectual property nightmare. Mm. But yeah, for, for catfishers, there's the possibility of creating much more plausible personalities because they're not limited to that handful of images that they've stolen from one person. Mm. They can actually create an evolution of the character arc that matches what they're telling their marks online. So I think policing the internet probably just got a whole lot harder. Okay. Um, normally then at this point, you, you give us some ridiculously absurd story before the break. Um, but so far, this whole uh, half has been a little bit unbelievable anyway. Uh, yeah, well, it's only going to get more absurd after the break, So, um, which probably gives you a fairly good idea who it is we might be talking about. But anyway, I guess I'll uh, stick with uh, trends in that case, this time from IFL Science. Um, Richard, do mm. you ever fub your partner? Ha. Now, you see, I actually know what this is. So, no, not on purpose. 
<laughs> okay, good answer. And there's nothing salacious here. So um, fubbing is actually a not very good amalgam uh, for the words phone and, and snubbing. Uh, this is the phenomenon of ignoring your partner for your smartphone screen. And as you said, not deliberately, I think we've all yeah. either done it or been on the receiving end of a, a fub uh, and probably both. But the question is, how damaging is fubbing to your relationships, not just with partners, whether friends, family, you know, everyone around you. And there have been a few studies into fubbing, looking for the elusive uh, why of why people find their phones more alluring than the people around them. Mm. I mean, can you imagine anyone finding the internet more interesting than me? Uh... Yeah, I'll, I'll interrupt you there. So nice replies to threads, <laughs> negative ones to Twitter. That's the way we're going to go from now on. Um, anyway, back to the fubbing. Uh, a new survey in Turkey has found, uh, probably not surprisingly, that a high incidence of fubbing corresponds with negative feelings about your relationship. With the person who's being fubbed fe uh, feeling ignored and not listened to. Now, I'm not sure if I've read the report correctly, but I couldn't quite get a feeling for the cause and effect component. Mm. You know, it, was it the fubbing that causes these negative feelings or was fubbing the result of having negative or apathetic feelings for the people around you? Anyway, it seems to have concluded that communication is the key. Mm. And that brings us back to cause and effect. Because if phone snubbing is driving a wedge between two people, obviously communication might provide a way to a happier relationship. However, if phone snubbing is the symptom rather than the cause, mm. it might actually be a coping me uh, mechanism that suggests that communication is actually what created these problems in the first place. <laughs> right, okay. Um, as usual, we're going to end with a disclaimer. Uh, Matt is in no way qualified to give relationship advice. Uh, and neither am I, in fact. And, and if spotted in public, Matt should only be approached with caution. More extreme behavior after the break. You're tuned in to Matt's Plane here on BFM 89.9, the business station. But films, man. BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury, and welcome back to Matt Splained. Um, there's no pretending what we're about to talk about. Uh, Twitter has changed its name to X. Yeah, I know. And we're actually recording this quite early in the week, so possibly everything we're about to say in the next 10 minutes <laughs> will be completely irrelevant by Friday when it comes out. Um, you know, Genuinely, every time I want to do some cool stories, Elon Musk does something that we can't ignore. I yeah. mean, he does stuff that we probably should ignore. You know, he keeps doing this stuff because we don't ignore it. And I try to ignore it, but this time we can't ignore it. Right. Uh, I'm guessing that you're um, trying to avoid getting to the story by saying ignore a lot. Yeah, I've got nothing. Um <laughs> As you said, 
you know, uh, this week or, or, or last weekend, you know, um, time is a, is a meaningless construct to a shape-shifting anamorph like myself, but Twitter is now <laughs> X. Uh, Elon Musk paid over $40 billion for one of the uh, most recognizable brands in the world and has replaced the Bluebird literally with an X as part of a rebranding process. Now, it's currently on the still on the Twitter domain as of recording this show, and the x.com domain points to a hosted by GoDaddy page with hmm. weird random ads on it, even though Elon Musk has reportedly owned the x.com domain for the past few years. Mm-hmm. And to save Richard the incredibly obvious question, because why should both of us have to suffer through this nonsense? (laughs) What does any of this mean? Well, if we go back into the dim, dark past of technology, by which I mean kind of the middle of last year, when social media seemed like a (laughs) golden age, uh, a much more straightforward space, um, one of the things we talked about during that period when Elon Musk was sort of trying to buy Twitter and at the same time seeming to try to not buy it was some fairly cryptic tweets he mentioned about an app of everything, you know, similar to the kind of e-wallet and shopping apps that are common in Malaysia and across Asia that bundle mm. up, you know, fintech apps basically that bundle up banking and shopping and e-hailing and social yeah. media and, uh, you know, all kinds of browsable content or an app of everything, as I think uh, Musk called it, because apparently those four concepts, shopping, banking, transport, and messaging, pretty much define our lives as human beings. Um, And according to uh, Twitter's new CEO, that's basically essentially what Twitter now is. It's X, an an AI-powered everything app of, I don't know. Now, I asked this question before. Um, what does any of it mean? Well, yeah, I mean, that's why I asked it last time, because I knew you'd be just asking the same question over, over and over again, and I didn't <laughs> want the audience to get too bored. You know, most of this half is essentially going to be me explaining one thing by talking about another thing that doesn't make any sense, and then you having to ask me what that new thing means. So it's a bit like those Russian dolls, but every time you open one... Got it. You know, the next yep. one is inexplicably larger in defiance of all the laws of sense and physics. So, yes, Elon Musk has taken one of the most valuable brands in the world and replaced it with a generic X, which looks like it was designed by a junior designer who went out to lunch before it was finished and never came back. Um A lot of people have said it looks like the Unicode X. I've seen a couple of posts that say it's actually very cleverly designed. I thought it looked, you know, it reminded me of the Nespresso uh, logo. (laughs) There you go. Well, we will get to the genericness of X a little bit later on. But um, in his defense, Musk seems to have uh, pointed at uh, uh, the X design work being, you know, a work in progress. But if it's a work in progress, you wonder why they decided to launch it now. Mm. You know, the the new logo is black. It's kind of been shoehorned into the existing Twitter user interface, which is all blue. So it all looks very odd. So why do you think he's gone with X? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, most of this half is just you saying why. Um, 
it's a name. Well, it's not a name. It's a, a letter. But he's had a thing about the letter X for a long time. You know, before um, we had PayPal, uh, or rather PayPal was originally part of a larger online finance and banking service called X.com. Uh, PayPal actually emerged as the successful portion of that platform. But Musk has never entirely given up on the X.com idea and uh, has even mooted buying PayPal to rebrand it as X. Uh, the letter has made its way into other projects, obviously SpaceX. Tesla has a Model X. Uh, one of his kids' names has a lot of Xs in it. And that makes the whole thing about the domain name even weirder mm. because PayPal had the rights to X.com and sold it to Musk, I think back in 2017. My memory's a bit fuzzy on that one. So unless he forgot to renew it, which would be mad, it mm. still belongs to him. But for some reason, Twitter isn't redirecting to it, at least not yet. And I'm not sure about the app on your phone, but mine hasn't updated to uh, the X tile like a lot of people that I've seen online have ah, so far. Good question. Uh, good point. Uh, does that mean then we can't tweet anymore? Well, of course, that's become one of the most important topics of conversation around this. If it isn't Twitter, how can we tweet or retweet? And if so, what do we call it? I mean, Twitter's a bird. It tweets. But what hmm. sound does an X make? Um, but, but let's not make poor jokes about, you know, former partners. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the, okay. But that leaves us with what do we call it? Because X sounds weird. Um, should we excite each other and share our excitement? I mean, oh, I'm no. Just, oh, no. Yeah, that just sounds awful. Um, we could call it an exoint in uh, homage to all the users what? who've decamped for other platforms. Sorry, I had to put a bit of Latin in today. Um, I do have one idea, however. No pickling, thank you. Uh, that would be ironic, though, wouldn't it? The platform I hate adopting a concept I love. Um, yeah, I don't know what I'd feel about pickling if it became pickling on Twitter. So what we call it all will have to be figured out. And, you know... A, the rebrand seems to be rolling out slowly. As I said, uh, my app still has the the Bluebird on it. Mm. And I've seen screen grabs of other people's uh, that have that new X logo. And the best comment I saw was that it made it look like an app for a gentleman's club in Budapest. <laughs> um, okay. What will it do then? Well, um, oh, I hope you're, yeah, I mean, I hope you're asking me about the Twitter super app, yes, not yes, the gentleman's yes, club. Yes. So uh, according to, to, well, I guess she's not Twitter CEO anymore. She's ex-CEO. Um, see, that no, makes it sound see, even worse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that makes it sound even worse. Uh, imagine being the ex-ex-CEO. Huh. And then but if, did, but then and if it's further two down X's, the line, you'd be the, no, no. If you were the Wait. third one, you'd be the ex-ex-ex-CEO. And you don't want to be that. Um, you, you particularly anyway, don't want any videos from there either. Precisely. Um, I mean, honestly, she has probably accepted the worst job in the world. Um, so according to quotes from her, of course, on X on Twitter, I don't even know what to call it. The new super app will be centered in audio, video messaging, payments, banking, 
creating a global marketplace for ideas, goods, services, and opportunities, powered by AI. Um, and she also adds that there's no limit to the transformation that it can undergo and what it can potentially achieve. But uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's it's just like it sounds like the internet powered by AI. Um, but anyway. So he's essentially, I guess, trying to pivot uh, to fintech as a way to kind of monetize this platform that obviously hasn't been making any money. Yeah, I mean, that's that does seem to be the direction it's going, but it is a risky decision. And uh, now, mm. according to, to filings that have been reported, the company has been uh, securing various financial licenses in the US this year that would allow it to operate in you know, the, the fintech space. It's not clear what appetite consumers in the US have for that, however, uh, you know, especially given the popularity of services like Apple Pay, which are built around privacy rather than sharing an interaction. Mm. Uh, because we know that Meta, with its billions of customers, hasn't managed to crack that fintech market despite a number of attempts. I mean, it's mm. tried its own currency. It's trialing, uh, I think, WhatsApp payment mechanisms in Brazil at the moment. And in other parts of the world, this everything app is a really competitive marketplace. Yeah. Whereas Twitter X is a relatively niche service. So I'm guessing it would need tens of millions of new signups in the US alone mm. to achieve the scale that it needs to, to succeed. Which kind of brings us to another point, I guess. Operating a, a financial marketplace is very different uh, well, to a, a social media service. Yeah. So this is another area where there are doubts that Twitter or, or X would be able to comply. So, for example, Twitter is already apparently struggling to meet EU requirements over its handling of disinformation. And financial regulations are a lot more stringent than social media regulations. Right. For example, you know, the anonymous trolling nature of classic Twitter doesn't sit well alongside financial regulations that require every user to be registered and, and vetted, and that all transactions remain on the correct side of money laundering regulations, which mm. differ from country to country. Mm. And that, in turn, would also require users to trust the platform enough to give them the kind of information that would allow them to be registered and vetted for financial transactions. Yeah. You know, that was hard enough for Twitter in the pre-Elon days, probably less so now in the age of King Twitter and its poll-based democracy. And that's before we get to the the audio and video parts that Linda Yaccarino mentioned, because those are areas that Twitter has struggled with developing successfully uh, on a historical basis. Yeah, and not to mention the, the service issues that it's been facing lately. Yeah, so some of the comments that I've been reading have, have mentioned those those issues as well. You know, does Twitter have the talent internally to achieve those aims with its stripped-down workforce? And if so, what kind of time frame are, are they looking at? And again, that brings us back to that issue of trust. If the app has been limiting how many tweets even paying users can see, why would you trust it? Beyond that, yeah. uh, you know, let alone with all the service outages and the other issues that we've seen. And of course, as I said, these aren't the only issues. Open that doll and, you know, another one just kind of seems to, to bloom. Uh, 
as you mentioned or touched on earlier, there's that generic nature of X. There are so many companies with X at the start of their name. So mm. there's plenty of potential for confusion, especially when you're talking about app discovery. Mm. You know, there are so many apps. There are already financial apps in the Malaysian app store that have X at the beginning of their name. I, I did a quick check before I recorded this. Now, I've also read reports, and this is a biggie, that Microsoft, a, a company that Musk isn't on great terms with, actually owns the trademark for X. Huh? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, these companies file so many trademarks for, for projects that never see the light of day. Yeah. But of course, they still retain ownership of all of those things they put in, which means at best we're likely to see years of litigation fighting over who can actually use X. And that just brings us more reasons to doubt whether this is a place that has, a, you know, a place that you can trust with your financial transactions if you're not sure what kind of future it's going to have. And that also puts the brakes on establishing X as a global brand at the exact time that Musk is dismantling its existing identity of Twitter. Mm. Now, to make matters even weirder, um, so this wasn't weird enough, at mm. Twitter's HQ in San Francisco, uh, the police came and halted the workers who were taking down the Twitter sign and trying to put up a new X logo. So at the time we record this, it wasn't entirely clear why, uh, whether it was down to lack of permits, whether it was down to a miscommunication about those permits, whether it was beef between um, Twitter as was with the property owner of the, the building. But it meant that halfway through or, or most of the way through, they were stopped. And instead of an X, the company was left as uh, <laughs> ER. <laughs> well, okay. I mean, you but can't that, that, you can't make this up. No, no, you can't. But that, that seems like a, a decent place to wrap up today, I think. I mean, I I wish we could wrap up there, but I haven't even mentioned the fact that TikTok this week has become the latest app to launch a text service in its app to borrow users from Twitter. Yeah. You know, exactly. So they're sensing blood, even as they have their own regulatory sharks circling around them. Um, so they have uh, launched the uh, ability to post messages uh, of up to a thousand characters. To be honest, it looks very similar to writing text for Instagram stories. Right. Uh, so other users can comment on the post rather than it being a, a sort of a start of a conversation or a thread or X's. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, and beyond that, the change of Twitter to X then created some kind of trending topic around X video. Mm -hmm. which is an adult streaming service mm -hmm. because nothing reassures advertisers who are already spooked about the company's content moderation policies that, that kind of potentially line their ads up, uh, ads up against content that doesn't gel with their, their values. So nothing spooks them more than rebranding the site, as that poster mentioned, to look like a gentleman's club in Budapest. <laughs> Well, there we go. Um, thanks for that, Matt. I, it's um, been a pleasure. I, I, I think I'm just going to be left with that. Why? 
is the question of today. Yeah, I'm now, sorry. I'm sorry you haven't had more interesting things to to add to to the show than why today. But unfortunately, <laughs> it's just why, 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 why. It's bonkers today. Thanks very much for that. Of course, if you want to catch up uh, with Matt and what he's doing, you can follow him on all of his socials. He's at Culture Pop and at Culture Matt, uh, Culture Matt, um, and of course, follow and subscribe to his Substack newsletter. That's uh, CulturePop.substack.com. We'll be back same time, same place here next week for more Matt's Explained here on BFM eighty nine point nine, the Business Station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.